0: Welcome back to the Off the Key podcast, where we talk about music of all varieties. I'm your host Mac, and today I'm joined by my two oh so regular co-hosts, Garrett. Oh. I thought you were going to do a bit.
1: I know. I thought you thought I was going to go real, real, like real low and scream with it. No, I did not. Shook Damn. you up.
0: You bopped me with the mix-up, bro.
1: And James.
2: Hello there.
0: And today we are talking about the third studio album from metalcore band, Code Orange, forever. I was the one who picked this album, and the reason I picked this album is I actually think Code Orange is a big standout band in the metalcore genre, and I actually think that the band is a great entry point into the world of heavy metal, heavy music in general. So I'm pretty experienced in heavier-leaning metal genres, extreme metal, you know, all the different cores, you know, grindcore, hardcore, metalcore, all that good stuff. I think Code Orange sticks out pretty well. They pull from a very wide range of genre influences. I mean, you get hints of industrial grunge. Obviously, they've got that metalcore backbone. Um, they also pull from like electronica, even some dark wave and hardcore punk. They do a great job of incorporating that into a metalcore album that has a lot of variety. And that's why I want to talk about Forever today, because I think this is not only a great starting point, but a standout album in the metalcore genre. So, for a little background, Code Orange, formerly known as Code Orange Kids, is an American metalcore band formed in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in 2008, while the members were still in high school. Currently, the band consists of Jamie Morgan on drums and lead vocals, although I do believe he has taken a step back from the drums. Reba Myers on lead guitar and lead vocals. Eric Shade Balderose on keyboards, guitar, and backing vocals. He is also their programmer. Joe Goldman on bass, and Dominic Landolina on guitars. The group started out as a hardcore punk band under their original name, Code Orange Kids, and started to shift towards metalcore with the release of their debut studio album, Love is Love, Return to Dust. Their later albums, I Am King in 2014, Forever in 2017, and Underneath in 2020, would incorporate more wide-reaching influences, such as grunge, electronica, industrial, alternative rock, you know, alt-metal, kind of all these genres we were talking about earlier. When discussing their 2017 album Forever, Lars Gottrich, of All Songs Considered, described their style as nightmarishly chaotic hardcore, stating that there's always been an experimental underpinning to Code Orange that toys with noise and melody and some 90s grunge. The band has cited a variety of influences, including Hatebreed, Converge, Pantera, Nine Inch Nails, Earth Crisis, Minor Threat, Black Flag, and Typo Negative. Yeah, and I can definitely hear many of these influences, especially Nine Inch Nails, Converge even. I definitely hear that in the guitars and like the snarling vocals of Jamie.
1: Well, there's a big influence in the groove metal of like the
2: 90s. Pantera. Yeah, I can definitely hear the Pantera influence here too because the rhythm section... They do an excellent job at keeping it from being jagged, chuggy, ridiculous Meat and potatoes, (laughs) like,
0: there's a lot of metalcore that is just really repetitive. It all sounds very samey, you know, just that Mm. downtrodden, drop-tuning, chugging with the the real deep guttural vocals, which I don't really have a problem with. I actually really like scream vocals. There are so many metalcore bands that sound the exact fucking same. You could not pick them out of a crowd.
1: I was a fan here. I wasn't really put off by any of it. I didn't really dislike any of it. So that is a very positive gold star. Oh, yeah.
0: I think Jamie Morgan, like his snarling, sneering vocals. I cannot get enough of it. To get back on track here just a little bit, Forever was actually their major label debut on Roadrunner Records, and it was released on January 13th, 2017. Honestly, Roadrunner picking up Code Orange is a little odd because... They've generally been seen as a metal label. So the acts that have been signed to Roadrunner are kind of in the same neighborhood as Code Orange, but not really. You know, Coheed and Cambria, Gojira, Highly Suspect, Slipknot, Theory of a Dead Man, you know, Turnstile, Trivium, Motionless in White, Atreyu, Avenge Sevenfold, even Black Flag for a couple of their records. Code Orange is
1: is a little on the heavier side of the acts they usually have.
0: This was actually my introduction to Code Orange. I discovered them like many people did through the, the Needle Drop YouTube channel. You know, I saw the review, and he reviewed it really positively, and I was like, shit, man, I'll check it out. And, man, I wore this thing out in 2017. It was probably
2: one of my most listened-to records of that year. This is my first time hearing them, and I got to say, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. I am actually the guy that Mac was talking about earlier not really being into the hardcore and metalcore genres, just not being familiar with them at all. But I got to say this impressed. It's funny
1: that in the same timeline of music, we had almost like the breakdown beat drops in like the complete opposite music genres. Like we had that in like electronic, like dubstep, and like the other side and like the metal. We had that kind of just like breakdown where it just stops and, Everything goes crazy, and then you just have some kind of, like, yell. What is it with the breakdown and, like, the complete opposite sides of the spectrum in, like, the same time period? It is wild how that manifested.
0: Oh, my God. Every freaking core band from the 2000s wore that trope out. I'll give them a pass here a little bit. I I do think the breakdown was kind of corny, but it, it works. I mean, it's the only time that I was really like, oh, this is kind of cringe the opener forever I mean you already established this like really hellish nightmarish landscape that this album is laying out Mm -hmm. for you with the
2: the downtrodden like pitch shifted vocals this record does not play around it's extremely extremely dark really heavy it's almost haunting at times
1: in their programming, the way they do their, like, synths and, like, their electronic influences in the back, there's a lot of layering, there's a lot of texturing going on. Percussive layer that just really kind of, like, fills everything out. They'll have, like, their riff going, and then that'll come in behind it. And the second guitarist will usually be doing, especially in a lot of these early tracks, like Kill the Creator and Real, they're doing that just, like, that, that high note that's just screech. You know what it re- really reminds me of? It is not a great comparison, but it's the same sound as, like, Limp Biscuits guitarist does that a lot, but it's just he does it. He's just over compressed, but he'll a lot of times do that kind of almost like that like breakbeat, that baby. like that rap style. It's kind of like whatever by God Smack. That song is literally only the guitarist doing that screech, that little now now now, where he's just playing the one note and he's getting real screechy, real high up there, high up there on the neck. It's like that, and then the industrial layers, and then there's like the chugging riff, and then there's like the metal drums, like double kicks, and then like all that. It's just a perfect storm. It just sounds good. It just fits together. And the production
0: here is really clean.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: And one of the big problems I had with their first two albums was the production is very muddy, and it kind of jumbles up the mix. That's actually my biggest issue with I Am King and their first record But here it's clean. I mean, it's a lot, but you can hear everything and you just get enveloped in this hellish industrial landscape where there's just no hope. Some of these tracks are face melters. Don't get me wrong. At its core, this is a metalcore record. And the reason I say that is because the guitars on this, par for the course metalcore, the way they sound, you know, they do some chugging here and there, but there's like, there's great guitar work here. I mean, it's a nasty record. And one thing I like about this record so much is that there is variety. It's not all just the same riffs and breakdowns and all this other bullshit. You know, you get some clean vocals like Unbleeding in the Blur, Hurt Goes On, Ugly, and uh, Dream 2. I like almost every track here. The only ones that I had real complaints about, Dream 2 was a big sleeper. I thought it was a very underwhelming closer. I mean, I get, you know, they're kind of doing the whole cool down ambient closer, but I thought it should have ended with Hurt Goes On.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's not really the spot you want to end on. For metal albums, I, I want an ending that either is just a big punch in the face or a two-parter, a fade to black, where it's kind of like a ballad, and then it has that fast part at the end that it transitions to, or a two-parter like you know, like the Rust in Peace player, some kind of like epic that has like multi-parts.
0: Yeah, and I think Hurt yeah. Goes On is that. It fits that bill. I don't understand why they didn't end the album there, because Dream 2, honestly, it kind of feels unnecessary.
2: What are your thoughts, James? Oh, the the drumming is excellent. Incredible talent. Like, metal drumming is its its own unique style, but there's a lot of different things that have been incorporated to create metal drumming. It's kind of an amalgam of a lot of different styles. Metal is heavily influenced by a lot of progressive rock drumming. I mean, you said it yourself in the Rush review, you could see the signs of early prog metal. And a lot of metal drummers are heavily influenced by guys like Bonham and Neil Peart. And also, of course, all the metal drummers that came up through the 80s and 90s. And the interesting thing about a lot of the instrumentation here is really the bass for me. And that is exactly what really makes these albums so heavy. If you didn't have that distortion, that tone, it would not have anywhere near the same sound. I get it. You know, the, the goal is to be as heavy as possible. And that's really been the kind of trend in metal over the years. Initially, it depended on the genre of course, but you know, in thrash metal, the only goal was to get faster, to be as fast as possible, whereas heavy metal it's more like get as heavy as possible, and it's just been getting heavier and heavier and heavier to the point where we're almost on like the low end of the fucking sound spectrum it, where you can barely hear shit. Yeah. That's basically what I really like about this album is the sound is well balanced the guitars they're low and they're still heavy and all but they don't drown out the rest of the sound in the band
1: and I'll, another thing i also really like about this album is that the lyrics are good and they're very intense but they're not corny they're not exactly. like the they're not like they're, the stick the, my hand into my wound and it's just it's not just too much over the top genres that were just tried to be like super obscene in metal to try to like, You're as talking like, about like shock like value, porno grind, yeah like, the, grindcore. yeah, like stuff like that, where it's just like, Oh, I'm gonna eviscerate the core.
0: They're dark, they are horrifying in some pockets, and it fits the theme, the atmosphere of this album so well.
1: It really goes to show that you make an atmosphere more by being cerebral than you do by trying to blunt force it, and everything is within its right place in this album, kind of within this band in general. And that's what makes them so good because everything feels like it has a point, it has a purpose, and it all fits together very well.
0: They still stick to that metalcore backbone, but you know they're bringing in all these different styles and still making it cohesive. So I was actually looking back at some of the discourse, and I actually remember some of the discourse around the album you know, when it came out in 2017. And uh, one of the biggest complaints I heard is that it was all over the place. You know, there was, it didn't know what it wanted to be,
1: but I, I disagree. I d- definitely disagree. Yeah, the yeah. whole like it being chaotic it is a whole lot calmer and more concise than a lot of metal. I don't know what metalcore these people are listening to. Yeah, and it's more because of the genre on Bleeding and the Blur and when
0: they dip into the industrial on Dream 2 and other cuts mud. ugly and the mud. But they do a really good job of keeping it cohesive because of that metalcore guitar backbone. That's what's keeping everything cohesive. See, ironically here, I think some of the standout tracks are the ones with Reba Meyer's clean vocals, like bleeding yeah, in the blur.
2: Agreed. Absolutely.
0: Like bleeding in the blur, that song goes stupid. The guitar solo at the end, pretty sure she's the one playing that too. And that's not to say, you know, we didn't like the the heavy vocals. I fucking love Jamie Morgan as a vocalist. Kill the creator, the mud, new reality, ugly, of that snarling, demonic, high pitched sounding vocal style with his. It sounds just nasty, man. Every time I listen to this album, I'm imagining being in this hell factory where everything's just covered in soot and oil and dirt, stuck there cold and scared. It
1: reminds me of like being in a meat factory, and I feel like some of these songs just pull a dead by daylight on me and just pick me up and just put me on the meat hook.
0: I guess we'll go ahead and get into our final thoughts. I'll start. So I picked this album. And the reason I picked this album is because I think Code Orange is a standout band in the heavy metal and heavy music genre period right now. I think this is actually a great entry point into heavy music. Now, when I say it's representative of all heavy influenced music or heavy metal or anything like that? Definitely not. Their last two or three records have been excellent, and I'm very excited for what they're going to do next. I love this album. I think it's fantastic, and I think it is one of the best metalcore albums Of the 2010s. So I'm going to go ahead and give this a 9 out of 10. I did not care for the closer. Dreams 2, I thought it was unnecessary. And, you know, real, I did think the breakdown was silly, but it's a pretty solid song otherwise. One of my favorite of the decade. I highly recommend it. If you're interested in getting into heavy music, heavy metal, metalcore, any kind of hardcore, I think this would be a great album to start with.
2: So this is my first real dive into modern metal. So I speak from personal experience. This really is a great starting point. Mac is absolutely right. This is a great starting point. Please do it. It's a great album. Very well produced. It's very well balanced. I've got to give it an 8.5 out of 10.
1: So I really enjoyed this album, and I will say the, the only problems I have with this album are there's two songs I don't like, and at times... The vocals, the screaming vocals can be a little too much for my infant ears. Unlike some previous albums we've talked about, this band blends their influences very well. Some people may not like that. I think that they should go kick rocks, personally. They're paying homage in the right way. They're standing out from other metalcore acts because they want to give their songs layers. There's so many moving parts that they can use. That that album never really gets stale. And the band really honestly, the band itself never really gets stale. I'm probably gonna be a little harder just because of my like kinda of my predisposition. So I'm gonna give this album an eight out of ten. But I really enjoyed it. I believe that everything I heard about this album going into it rings accurate. That it does add stuff to the Metalcore formula. It also refines the formula.
0: Well, well, well. I will say I was not expecting this
1: from either of you. So this is a, a a
0: dub. Fat dub. A fat dub in my eyes. Yes.
1: We celebrate the size of this dub, boss man.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think this is a great record, and you should check it out as well as their other music. And with that being said, we are Off The Key Podcast, and we're out of here. Thanks,
1: guys. Kind of, like, if I would recommend like synth pop to someone, and you know, they're like, like, Well, tell me if I what song should I listen to? I don't know if I like it. I always point to the song. Really song, I'm like, nice I really, I do You listen to Eyes Without a Face by Billy Auto. Do you like that song? Go deeper. Yeah. You listen to West End Girls by Peshop Boys. Do you like that song? Go deeper. If you just like that, just creamy, just dark, like. Now we should make him listen to him. What's Up People from Mexico. That <laughs> album is
2: fucking...
1: That's don't too... Don't that don't album's don't too don't much, don't much don't for don't me sometimes. It's a weird-ass song. One of my favorite songs...
0: Everybody, Mac here, and I just wanted to give a shout-out to LeCrembo for the intro and outro music. Also, check out our link tree for where to follow us. We are on Instagram and Facebook and a variety of streaming platforms. And if you could give us a sub or a listen or even a follow, it would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. See you later.